0: So, praise God. Did you bring your Bibles? Are you ready? I'm excited for this morning, in spite of all the commotion going on, everything happening. God's still God, yeah. He's still on the throne. Amen. Hallelujah. So make your declaration with me this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for your power and your provision in our life. We thank you that you still are a miracle and a healing God, and we thank you for that this morning. We thank you for the truth. You're going to speak into our heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles up to Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. And last week, we started, in preparation for the new year, this message, this little series I'm doing on living and building for the future generation. And uh, that same thing that... Similar to what we do as a family, we have children, we raise up our children, we want to see them go farther and do more than we did in our life. Amen? So we want to empower them to move forward. That's the same thing we want... For our children in the kingdom of God. That's what God wants for his children in his kingdom. Is that every generation would go farther and do more than the previous generation. And so we're living for that. And then we begin to look at and talk about the generational blessing. That we can hand down a generational blessing. And that's part of God's will for our life. But Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9 says this. Therefore know that the Lord your God... He is God, the faithful God. Somebody say the faithful God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So we told you last week, Continue ten your notes. But a biblical generation... Is 40 years. So God just declared that he'll keep his covenant for 40,000 years, which means that we haven't seen the fulfillment of it all as yet. Amen? So what he promised back then, we're a part of receiving that promise. Go with me to Psalms 105. Now, if you're a young person here this morning, you should be excited because I'm preaching for you to get a whole lot in your future. (laughs) amen. We're we'll preaching about the passing on the inheritance and the blessing and everything to the next generation so you can run farther and do more than we've done who have gone before you. Deuteronomy chapter 105 and verse 8 declares the same thing. It says, He has remembered His covenant forever, the word which He commanded for a thousand generation, God has remembered his covenant. And the Bible says, the Lord told, the prophet says, put me in remembrance of what I said. Remind me of what I've said, because I've said it to you, and it is to you. Remember what Peter said on the day of Pentecost? He said, the promise is to you, and to your children, and to your children's children, and to as many as are afar off. Amen. So we get in that, we're, we're in that far off crowd. Amen. So think about that. So look at your outline with me as we go through this. God thinks, plans, and builds generationally. He keeps his word, as we said, to a thousand generation or 40,000 words. So our question is, as we're moving into a new year, how far ahead are we thinking? Well, I'm just waiting for lunch right now. Thinking ahead, amen. I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute, I came to church and the Niners play at 135. I hope we get out on time, Amen. So whatever, how far ahead of your thinking, thinking ahead generationally, though, will make a difference in the decisions we make in our life. So let's think differently in 2024. Amen? Think a little bit differently. See, we can change the future, but first we must begin by letting go of the past. We are too often hindered and crippled from moving forward into change because of the inability, hear this, the inability to let go of what has been for what can be. And you don't have to be old to have that happen. Sometimes young people growing up, many people, in fact, in all these years I've pastored, I think maybe I've met one perfect family. Amen. No, I'm lying. I've never met a perfect family. Every family has issues. And so we're growing up, and even in our youth, if we hold on to the issues of our childhood and what we grew up, so many of us, maybe you're like me, you came out of a broken home, your parents divorced, you were separated, you have separation anxiety, have all that stuff, but we can allow, even as young people, you can have a past that will hinder you from your future, and, and you haven't even lived very long yet. So you have to be able to let go of what has been for what can be. Everything God does in our lives is future focused, so we have to have that same focus. We are to be living beyond ourselves in order to change our future. And we can do it, and we can impact our future generations as well. If we choose to live beyond ourselves, we can impact a future generation. Last week, I gave you these four keys to being able to do that. First, we must have a commitment to be believe in the next generation. As we look out today, and every generation has done that, every generation has looked back at the emerging generation and thought they had lost their minds. You look at their, the changes of fads and everything, yeah, I mean, I remember back when, when Elvis Presley was on Ed Sullivan, amen, and, and they wouldn't show him from the waist down because he was twisting while he sang. That's so wild. You can't perform. You can't do that. You can't be on there. But now, how many know that's nothing compared to what we've seen over the last decade? And so you think, but you have to be able to believe in the next generation. You have to be able to believe in them. God has always believed in the next generation, and he's always planned with them in mind. He has no problem using young people. Amen. And we need to have that same faith and that confidence in the next generation. Young people, let God stir your hearts to answer his call. Every young person in here, let God speak to your heart about answering his call upon your life. The most exciting life you can live is living a life devoted to God. And I gave you these three words last week that describe youth and those who desire to stay young. Does anybody desire to stay young besides me? Amen. Uh, D- Danny Gokey came out with a song years ago called my best days are ahead of me. Amen. amen. It started out age is just a number. Praise the Lord. And so my best days, and that needs to be your idea. My best days are always ahead of me. And that's ties into our messy today. Always keep looking forward because God has more for you in front of you than what you had behind you. Could you shout Amen. So how do I do that? What are three attitudes of young people? Wonder, number one, they're extreme. They go beyond what we have done, and they do things at a crazier level than we have done, but that's all good. What does that mean? They, they do things that stretch your comfort zone. And one thing that happens in church that teach the curse from staying young is that we get into comfort zones of religion. We, like it. we don't like the music to change. We don't like things to change. The world around us is changing, but we don't want change to come into this building. So we fossilize and we crystallize and we cut ourselves off from the next generation of godly leaders. Are you doing all right? Then you have to be experiential, being hungry for new things, especially when it says don't do this. And that especially in religion, don't do this, don't try this, don't go there. No, just go there and just be brave in God. Thirdly, you have to be eccentric. You have to be eccentric, which means being off-center from the way of doing things. Be a little bit out of the norm when it comes to new styles and approaches that go against the style of routine of the past that others have come to idolize. So many times we idolize things that we had experiences in the past. God moved here. He did things. In our home church, my pastor, God gave him a revelation in the late 70s on the prophet and the minstrel. And he began teaching on the prophet and the minstrel, or the minstrel and the prophet, where David would play and, and, and drive away the evil spirit, and the anointing would come, where the prophet said, bring me a minstrel, a uh, minstrel. Uh, uh. Elisha said, bring me a minstrel that he may play. And as the minstrel played, then the prophetic was released. And pastor got a revelation on that, and he taught on that. And then what happened is, is it, that God gave him that. It had a season there, a new life, and the truth still remains though. But people would go up and try to reproduce what they had there. And you can't walk in war in another man's army. You have to walk in the revelation that God has from you. You learn from that and you glean from that. But you need to ask God what he wants to do through your life. Are you doing all right? And so in that, but Brotherhood was thought, man, you're just way eccentric. You're way out there on this. Because what he did, we turned church totally in mouth. How many remember the days when you had Sunday school and then church? So you went to church at, at like 945, you had opening exercises. And we sang a few little songs and all the kids were in. And then we released all the kids to their Sunday school classes. And then from 11 to 12, you had church. Amen. People today want like a a 30-minute church service, let alone two hours at church. I did, and, and, but, but anyway, so, so you would come in, so brotherhood, he turned that around. He says, this is what I'm going to do. I feel like this is what the Lord said. He says, I'm going to teach in, in the Sunday school hour. We're going to teach, and then in the, in the church hour, in the 11 o'clock hour, we're just going to let the minstrels play, and we're going to wait on the Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait for the Holy Spirit to move, and whatever he says, that's what we'll do in that service. And if he doesn't show up, we'll just go home. And so the people who didn't go to Sunday school, they were conditioned to going to church at 11 to hear the pastor preach. But they showed up at 11, and there wasn't no preaching. We just worshiped God until there was a tongue, an interpretation, or a prophecy, or a word of knowledge, or a word of wisdom. And then we gave an altar call around that. And he did that for almost 30 years. Amen. And God showed up every service. But the religious people didn't like it because they wanted to go to church at 11 to hear the preacher preach. And so you'd mess with their routine in the way they had idolized doing church. Are you doing all right? But I know none of you in here are religious. Amen. So you you have to be, you have to be, have those areas. Be eccentric in your walk with God. Secondly, we talked about take the opportunity to change the future. Every one of you in this room has the opportunity to change your future. Come on, 2024 doesn't have to be a repeat of 2023. Amen. You can change your future. How? By allowing your life to be cut off from the past you came from. Amen. We can choose that in our own life. Thirdly, if we think generationally, it gives us courage and motivation in serving our own present generation. It says of David in Acts 13 For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But Jesus was buried, but he didn't see corruption. He was raised. So you and I, though. But it says that David served his generation, and in his generation he made provision that he passed on to his son Solomon and the next generation, and they built more and did more than David had done and expanded the kingdom further than he had done. Amen? But he served God in his generation. Number four. Thinking generationally gives us foresight and motivation to live uprightly. Amen. I want every young person just to listen to me for a moment. I still feel like I'm 14. And in my mind, I still am. I still can run. I still can do do all those things. People say, Pastor Don, why do you limp? Because when I was 62, I thought I was 32. And so when we were playing church softball, I'm playing and I'm out there and I get this hit and I'm running and, and, and I'm leaving from first all the way around and I round third and I'm heading home. And as I'm heading home, my legs say, you didn't tell us we were coming and doing this. So as I rounded third base, I'm running. And I mean, I was running so fast. This is how crazy it is. I, I, I'd kept these. I used to play softball a lot. And uh, I kept my old cleats. And I'd had them so long that as I was running, they were so brittle, the cleats were falling off the back. They were just disintegrating. I mean, I was burning it up. Amen. But as I got about halfway between home and third base, I felt this pop. And I ended up tearing half of my calf muscle and part of shredding part of my Achilles, and it felt—I I thought they threw the ball and hit me in the ankle. I go, "Wow, who did that?" And then I'm laying there. I go, "Man, that really hurts." And so since then, uh, I, I only have half a calf muscle. So on this side, I can do this. On this side, <laughs> you can't lift up. So I feel like Jacob. I learned when you're 62, you are not 32. Amen. But in spite of that, I'm still going. I'm still active. I'm still running to the best of my ability. Amen. But what I'm saying is, as young people, I'm saying all that because we never think we're going to be old. And young, the, the, the emerging generation. When you look at old people, oh man, they're they're old. But it, it, you wake up tomorrow and you're us. You're here. It seems like wow, how did I get to here? I never thought I would be 70, but we're here. Amen. But what are you going to do moving forward? Amen? So, keeping your eyes and living in thinking generation. So, thinking generation gives us foresight and motivation to live uprightly. Go to Psalms 112. You're there in Psalms 105 if you stayed there. But Psalms 112, we read this last week, but I want you to hear it this morning again. This is God's promise to us. This whole Psalm is a promise. Watch this. A blessing to those who fear God. Listen to how it reads. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Somebody say, Blessed. Blessed. So just think if I walk with God and and I live in fear and reverential respect for Him, God just says, I'm blessed. Blessing will be upon, I don't have to try to get it. I am. So blessed is, isn't blessed getting. That, That means you have it. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord who delights greatly in his commandment. Watch this. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. So if I live and walk with God, now watch this. I'm talking about building the next generation and passing on a generational inheritance. Amen? A transfer of blessing. So every man and woman in here, if you have children, when you live upright for God, you're positioning them to receive a blessing. Amen? That's the promise of God. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be, somebody say will be, will be blessed with wealth and riches will be in his house and his righteousness endures three weeks forever. Unto the upright there arises light in darkness. His, he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously, lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. So you read those verses and that's when you can stand facing things and you can be like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul listed all the things that came against him and this is what he said. And none of these things move me. I understand there's opposition. I understand there's going to be challenges. But none of that moves me off of my faith and my confidence in God. That's the way we are too. Surely he will not be shaken the righteous will be in everlasting remembrance he will not be afraid of evil tidings his heart is steadfast trusting fixed in the lord his heart is established he will not be afraid unless he sees until he sees the desires upon his enemies glory to god watch it he has dispersed abroad he has given to the poor his righteousness endures for how long Forever his horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away, but the desire of the wicked will perish. Amen. So the great way to antagonize your enemies is just to live righteously for God. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So look back at your outline with me. So that's the promise. Be brave and stand tall. So if we live uprightly, which means to be brave and to stand tall in the face of discouragement and temptation, God says that promise belongs to us. So the Bible is filled with examples of generational transfer. Go with me to Exodus chapter 20. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 20. Look with me. Beginning at, well, God's just giving the Ten Commandments. Look at verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. Verse 4. You shall not make for yourself any carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath. Verse 5, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. Now watch this, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children to their third and fourth generation of those who hate me. So You, You you can pass on blessing, but you can also pass on iniquity. So when I'm not living right, and so when you, see, when you see the perpetuating of divorce and all the negative things that are happening in life, it pays to repent and start a new bloodline. Amen? To start a new generational blessing instead of the generational curse. But watch it To those who hate me, but look at verse 6. But showing mercy to a thousand generations to those who love me and keep my commandments. So God says the curse can go for three or four generations, but when you walk uprightly, your righteousness is passed on to a thousand generations. Glory to God. Isn't that good? Amen. So watch this. So we see that. So here's my question. Why don't we choose blessing? Why not choose blessing? See, we could pass on something. Think about this. We could pass on something that they would reap, which they did not sow, nor work for, don't really deserve, and didn't earn. To the next generation, if we'll live generationally, our generation, young people coming up, you'll have the same opportunity to live generationally. And that, and you can pass something on to your children and to your children's children, and even spiritually, those that we raise up in the house. But think about it, it'll be something that they did not sow for or work for, they don't really deserve, they didn't earn it, but they're gonna receive it by grace and favor and mercy, which is the very thing we receive from our Heavenly Father. Every blessing you get from God comes by grace and mercy. Amen. We don't earn it. He bestows it. We don't sow for it. We don't work for it. He blesses us with it, and we can pass that on to the next generation. Think about it. We already know how to pass on divorce, addiction, abuse, prejudice, abandonment, poverty, suicide, mental illness, chronic sickness, and above all those things, which are all part of the curse that we've been redeemed from. But let's cancel the curse and believe for the blessing. Let's cancel that and believe for the blessing. I said it last week. I came from a broken home. My parents both married multiple times, but I purpose God. I'm not going to do that, but I didn't get saved. I was walking on my own, and at 25, I had a failure in my life. But God's a God of forgiveness and restoration. Amen. And after a marriage that failed after a year and a half, God's given me a marriage in my walk with him that's lasted for 44 years. Amen. He's a great God, and He gives. He works in our lives. Somebody shout, "Amen!" amen. So watch this, so we can cancel the curse. Galatians three thirteen declares to us that Jesus became a curse for us, so that we could be partakers of the generational blessing of Abraham. He became a curse, and His for what He partook of for us, thinking about the future generation and those who would come behind him. The Bible says he was the first fruit or the beginning. And so because he did that, you and I are partaker of what he has passed down through the generations to us. Go with me, if you would, to uh, Isaiah 46. Praise the Lord. So remember again, Psalms 112 that we read. It is the promise of God of generational blessing. Or we can do something for our kids and the next generation that even the devil can't undo because God has decreed it to be so. You need to understand when you stand on the word, God has decreed it. The devil cannot alter God's word. He can't change it. So live to agree with what God has decreed. Look at what God says in Isaiah 46. This is powerful. Are you with me this morning? Yes. Hallelujah! We're just trying to get a fresh perspective for a new year. Hallelujah. I don't have a catchphrase. Everybody's been going. Here's a deep phrase for you. Everybody's caught on to more than 24. That took a lot to come up with. My thought for this year is more than 24. That's all the longer it took you to rhyme something with four. How many God can do something better than rhyming with a number? Amen? So moving forward into a new year. But look what God says in Isaiah chapter 46, and look at verse 9. We're going to read verses 9 through 11. Watch this. Remember this and show yourselves, and, and show yourselves men, recall to mind your transgression. Verse, that was verse 8. Remember, look at verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Watch this. Declaring the end from the beginning. So how does God think generationally? He goes all the way out to the end and comes back to the beginning and declares it and says, this is what I'm going to bring to pass in those thousand generations. Glory to God. Amen. From the end to the beginning, watch this, and from ancient times, things that are not, that are not yet, you can keep that in mind, because God's doing some things in our generation that have been held and appointed to this time, saying this, my counsel shall what? stand and I will do all my pleasure so God says I will do all my pleasure calling a bird of prey from the east the man who executes my counsel from a far country indeed I have spoken it I will also bring it to pass I have purposed it I will also do it praise the Lord so think when you and I just begin to live, this week I spent time with those who joined me online, and we prayed every morning at 6.30 online on Facebook, and we are, we've been fasting and praying all week and that. And what we're doing, we were reading the Word and praying the Word, reading the Word and praying that Word into our life. Something happens when you read the Word and pray it and sow it into your heart and then purpose to live by it. Amen. Because I'm putting into my life the things that God has said and the things that he said. Listen to what he said. I have spoken it. I will bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. And so I'm getting my heart into agreement with the God who said he'll do it. Paul said it like this. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said, faithful is he who called you who will also do it. Amen. How many want to live for the do it God? Amen, I'm just living to see God do it. Amen, hallelujah. So think about that. But what happens to us? When we hear that, we get faced with circumstances. But you need to remember, God can reverse and change the circumstances to bring to pass what he has declared. He's done it over and over. Your Bible is filled with God changing circumstances. Filled over and over of examples of him doing it. Think what he can do. He can part the sea. He can stop the sun. He can reverse the sun. He can walk in the fire with you. He can make water flow from a rock. So never give up on your dream because of circumstances or even your age. So many times people reach a certain age and all they think about is kicking back and doing nothing. No, if you're sucking air... You can do something for God. You still have purpose in your life. Think of it. Moses was 80 when God showed up in his life. And he had another 40 years with God. And as he got older, his strength wasn't abated, his natural strength and all that. He was just strong. Think about all these different things that happened. Abraham was 100. Sarah was 90 when they had their child. Amen? Think about that. That's amazing. Amen. Now watch it. Along with that, Joshua and Caleb were 80 and 85. Joshua was 80 when he went in the promised land. At 85, Caleb said this, hey, I want my inheritance. Give me my amount. He says, I'm as strong today as 85 when I came in at 45. When we, I walked through the wilderness for 40 years. And I came across here, and I'm as strong today as I was then. Give me my mountain. You see, today, too many people want a condo on the beach in Miami. I don't want a condo. I want my mountain. Amen. Nothing wrong with condos on the beach. But that's not my goal in life. My goal in life is to run and pursue God all the way to my end. I want to be running all the day, all the way until I go. Are you with me? I don't want to be rocking. I want to be running. Are you doing all right? I believe 2024 is going to be a great year for it to run at a level that we've never run out before. So what do you do? Quit worrying about what you don't have. So many times we miss out because we don't think we have what we need. We all have enough don't have, including myself, to fill up a New York City phone book. You haven't. There, there's just there's no end to don't have, but we, what we do have is an omnipotent God who declares what he will do and bring to pass concerning us. It's not about what you don't have. It's about who he is and what he has declared and what he has said he will bring to pass. Come on, that ought to encourage you. Amen. You see, it's of no coincidence that we are here and this is our day and our generation. Remember, God thinks, plans, and builds generationally, and that includes our generation. Amen. Psalm 35, 27, it says this, that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Blessing you pleases him. Making you pleased him. Revealing his will pleases him. Ephesians 1, 9. He takes pleasure in his people. Psalms 147, verse 11. Jesus said in Luke 12, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen. So when you think about what you don't have, just remember God's promised you to give you his kingdom. How many know his kingdom has everything you need? Praise the Lord. So think about this. The sign of new believers and new converts and new Christians is that we think God is for me. God's here. He's working for me. But the sign of maturity as we walk a little further and learn about God is that we know that I am for God. I'm for God. And what does that mean? It means that we were made for God and we are here on assignment and created for purpose. Are you with me? See, every person understands that we're hardwired on the inside with the sense of assignment attached to our lives. And so we're trying to think. People try to find what's the meaning of life. What am I here? What am I supposed to do? For, we to ha- for us to have that question on the inside of us, it means that there's something inside of us driving it with the sense of purpose. Beyond just breathing and taking up space. Think about that. But what does it say? You're not a procreative mistake. Nobody is here as a mistake. Amen? Nobody is an accident of existence. God, regardless of how you got here. How many know who James Robinson is? You ever heard the minister James Robinson? Anybody? So, but... He was his his mom uh, gave him up and actually had him aborted, and he was rescued from an abortion and given up for adoption. Has become one of the most influential ministers of his generation. He went from being aborted and abandoned to speaking to presidents and reaching nations for God. So, regardless of how you got here, he was a bi- he was a product of rape. But what do we say? What do we so? He was a product of rape, given up in an abortion, abandoned through an abortion, and left and found and then raised, and now has changed his generation. He served God in his generation, has been a counselor to presidents, spoke to national leaders around the world, and has outreach and ministry that has gone global. But in our world standard, he was a mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. See, don't be upset because of the door you came in through. Don't let your door of entrance into life cancel your purpose in God. Are you doing all right? Because, see, you can go back just to the past of your birth. And use your entrance as an excuse to be a failure the rest of your life. No, glory to God. God brought you through the door of authority in the earth. And now you can walk and live in divine authority and fulfill God's purpose regardless of how you made your entrance. Amen. Hallelujah. So think about this. Are you still with me this morning? Can I have five more minutes? Amen. So think about this. Think about this. You were created on purpose and for purpose to accomplish His will and pleasure through your life and to be a generational blessing. Now, I'm just going to throw this in as an interjection. What? Sometimes a situation like what we had this morning could move you off of everything that God wants to say to you circumstances, situations, okay, you deal with that, you do everything you can, and then you move on. Did we do everything we can do? Yeah, amen, we took care of that, we were responsible, we dealt things appropriately. Now get back and move forward. Don't stay focused on that thing, and don't let those things distract you. Are you doing okay? So watch it. This is your time. This is our time. Many people, we keep looking back. I, I love reading old generals. In fact, I have a book called A Treasury of Evangelical Treasures. And I like to go back to that. I like to learn from that. I like to glean from that. But I don't want to idolize that. I'm not waiting for the next Billy Sunday, the next Charles Finney, the next Billy Graham. I'm not waiting for Those men all came. They had their day. They did great things. But that was their generation. And they were appointed to their time. But this is our time. I'm doing all right. This is our time. So this is a, God could have made any of the great generals and heroes of faith from days gone by to be alive now. But he didn't. He chose you instead. Everybody look up here. God chose you to be alive at this time to serve this generation. He didn't choose Billy Sunday. He didn't choose D.L. Moody. He didn't choose Charles Spurgeon. He chose you to be alive in this moment for what he's appointed for this generation. Hallelujah. So think about that. Instead, he chose you. For this time, for this generation, they all came in their time to their generation, but this is our time and this is our generation. Young people, you're on the threshold of your whole life and the discovery of what God has appointed you to accomplish for him in your life. Hallelujah. So exciting. But see, too many live looking backwards. Oh, if they were only alive today, we would have to quit quit looking to the past, honor it, and them, learn from it, respect it, but this is now, not then. And even in us, sometimes we keep looking back. We want God to do church the way he did it 20 years ago. I'm sorry, honey, it's not 20 years ago. It's now. The world around you has changed. The way people view life, the way people do life, that's changed. Quit trying to make us go back and let us move forward in God. That was a great place to shout amen. So watch this. So we honor it. What they did would not work now. Why? This is a new era, a new culture, new condition, and we are the ones equipped for the now. Amen. It's the age of technology. I'm still a Bible guy, but almost the majority of you in here are following along on your phone. That's okay. Whatever you want to do, at least use your Bible. Amen. However that works, I just prefer to have one that I don't have to plug in. I prefer one that doesn't need power. I want one that gives me power, but that's my spiel on that. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Watch this. Marcus Meekham. I heard him say this this morning. He preached kind of along the same line. He says, you can't go into your future with an appetite for your past. If your spiritual appetite is looking backward and wanting God to always to do it again, you'll never move into your future because your appetite is for what has already has come and is gone. And God says, "Behold, I will do a new thing. And watch it. How did Israel miss the Messiah?" because they couldn't accept what God was doing in their present moment, and they were living by an old concept of what Messiah their own idea, their own concept of what it would mean and what Messiah would look like when he came, and they missed their day of visitation. I don't want to be so religious and bound up in what God has done in my past and the great things he's done in my past that I miss what God is doing in the now, and I miss my season of opportunity. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you doing okay? All right. So looking backwards at their day and even past days in our lives will cause us to miss out and not be able to see what God is doing now. There are things that God has declared from the beginning of time that are to be accomplished now in our time. Young people, that's so exciting. God has things for you that are yet to be done. And if you'll say yes to God with your life, he'll do amazing things through your life, When I said yes to God, I had no idea of the things that he would use me to do. I had no idea that I would travel to other nations and preach the gospel. I would have no idea of the connections and the relationship that God would give to me and the things we would be able to be a part of just by saying yes to him with my life. You have no idea of what God has prepared for you to do for him through your life. But just say yes. Amen. So think about this. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Hallelujah. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I said Ecclesiastes. I forgot to put the rest of it on there. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and look at verses 11 and 12. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor, the bread, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time, like the fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare. The sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. But look at what it says. It says man, but, but time and chance. The word chance there doesn't mean a one in three billion chance of winning the lottery. The word chance there, properly uh, uh, translated, means opportunity. But time and opportunity, time and opportunity are given to every man. But if I'm not walking with God and thinking future, then I end up like, the, like, like a fish in a net. I'm wiggling around, but I can't do anything. I'm a bird in a snare. I'm trapped, but I can't fly. But when I walk with God, I have time and I have opportunity to see God do great things through my life. Amen? So we all have seasons of opportunity and times of purpose, but we must be looking for them, expecting them, and preparing for them. We must be positioned for them. We don't know the exact time. So we position ourselves by faith for always be getting ready. I knew when we were building this facility that this wasn't for me to spend out the next 40 years in. I've had a long run with God and I'm not done running with him. I know I'm in a season, the next season of my life, and God still has greater things in store. Could you say amen? Every one of us should have that same expectation. But I know that I was building and preparing something to pass to the next generation to position them further. When I started out, we just rented a little building. We had a little square. We had to start. We had to go from phase to phase to phase to phase to phase. But what if we gave the next generation something where they can pick up and run and go further than we were able to go? That's a generational blessing, and that's how we're supposed to live. Think about it. We have to be positioning ourselves. For all of us, maybe you're in business, whatever you're doing. This year, God could give you business ideas. He could give you promotion. He could give you opportunities of increase. There could come a move of God. And they all seem to come as suddenly that we miss if we are not positioned to receive and to act in our season. So there's always take the preparation in our life. I'm always preparing. I'm always looking forward. I'm thankful for what he's done, and I can go back. Oh, God, what if we had this back? What if we had that back? No. That that had its season, that came, now we're believing and moving forward. Praise the Lord. So think about it. If we don't have the right heart and mind mixed with faith for them, we miss them. Over the years, I've seen too many people miss their opportunities. We must believe we can change the future and, and the generation, our generation, by serving our generation like David. Listen to me this morning. We must believe that we are here to bless this generation, not judge it. Just get that this morning. It's so easy to look out and be critical and pass judgment on something. Oh, God, consume them. We want to call fire down. on. But just remember, when you call fire down, you're in the fire. So quit calling the fire down and start pronouncing the blessing. Start speaking blessing over them. Praise the Lord. See, God told Jeremiah even to pray for the prosperity of the city where he was being held in bondage. Think about that. You've been taken captive. You're held in bondage. And say, hey, don't curse them. Pray for their prosperity. Come on, what if we started speaking blessing and prosperity instead of complaining and griping about our nation? And a holy hush came over the crowd. Yeah, could we have better leaders? Absolutely. Will we get them? Who knows? Amen. So what are you going to do? Speak the blessing anyway. Always declare the truth and declare the Word of God. So here's the key. What if we chose to bless more than we cursed? What if we did that? Go with me to Joshua chapter 1. I'm almost done. Thank you for allowing me to preach this this morning. Joshua chapter 1. Verse 1 through 3. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. So Israel's had this great leader that's brought them out of bondage, led them through the wilderness, and brought them to the threshold of the promised land. And now it's their time to pass over. But the only problem is Moses died. The guy that brought them out is not the guy that's going to take them in. Amen? Amen. I remember when my pastor passed away, I was asked to go back and preach at our home church. And Brotherhood, like me, pastored there over 30 years. This is our 35th year of pastoring this church. But there will come a day when I'm not here. And people have to allow me, if you would, don't get this. I'm not doing this soon. I'm speaking allegorically. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. But when somebody dies, you have to let them die. When somebody passes, you have to let them pass. When transitions come, you have to let the transition take place. Are you listening to me? So this is what it said. God God, God says to Joshua, look what he said." It says, Moses died, and it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant, saying, Hey, Moses, my servant, is dead. How many know that God didn't speak that as information? God's not... He knew he was dead. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. He wasn't speaking it for information. He was speaking it for inspiration. Inspiration. Moses led you to here. Now it is your turn. He gave in his generation everything I purposed for him to give. Now it is time for your generation to rise up and to serve your generation in your season. There will be a time when you pass. And the next generation rises up. So Moses, my servant, is dead. Now watch this. Now, therefore, arrive and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, and every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. So God said, now you need to look at what I'm doing through you and your life. Every one of you here, 2023 is dead. It's dead. Now arise and cross over into this year and believe as you're moving forward. Every place the sole of your foot is going to tread upon, God has given unto you. There's still more for you to possess. There's still more for you to do in this coming year. Amen. So watch this. So God wasn't speaking to give information but inspiration. To shift his attention from what has been to what is to be. Let go of what has been so you can lay hold of what is to be. Possessing the land will be done differently than passing through the wilderness. The old will not work in the new season of opportunity. Many times people get an opportunity, but they're waiting for God to do it the same old way. You're going to have to believe God and allow Him to show you how He's doing it new. Come on, when they walked through the wilderness, they didn't walk around things. They didn't win battles, walking around blowing trumpets and shouting. There's nothing normal. It's completely new about having a battle where you walk around a city for seven days and then blow trumpets and shout, and walls come down. That's a new thing. Amen? But you got to move into that to make that happen. Praise the Lord. So let me close with this this morning. We can make the choice to speak and declare. And it will be established. One last scripture, go to Job chapter 22. It's one of my favorite verses. I love it. Let me, I'll put it to you like this What are you speaking and declaring over your own life? Daily, what are you speaking and declaring over your own life? What have you decided and what are you decreeing? To come to pass over your life. Is it faith or is it fear? Is it positive or is it negative? Is it God's word or the influence of the world? Is it what he has declared or what you think is going to happen? That's what it says. Job 22 and look at verse 21. Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth. Lay up his word in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. Then you will lay your gold in the dust, the gold of Ophor, among the stones of the brooks. Yes, the Almighty will be your gold and your precious silver. For then you will have your delight in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. You will make your prayer to him, and he will hear you. You will pay your vows. You will also, watch this, declare a thing, and it will be established unto you. (laughs) Amen. You, You will declare it. And it will be, if you acquaint yourself with God, you will know what He has declared. And you will begin to walk in agreement with Him and declare the things to your life that He has declared He will bring to pass. And what you declare in agreement with His Word, He said, they will be established unto you. Glory to God. Amen. Think about it. And it will be established so light will shine upon your ways. When they cast you down, you will say exaltation will come. Then he will save the humble person. He will even deliver the one who is not innocent. Yes, you will be delivered by the purity of your hand. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. I know I'm giving you a lot, but I think you need a lot to get through. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You need to get over tidbit religion. Glory to God. Amen. A lot of times, I'll just say it because a lot of times young people, when when you go to school, go to class, if you want to get a degree and learn how to do anything, you're not going to sit through a 15-minute lecture. Amen. You're going to have to learn and apply and grasp a whole lot of knowledge and then make application of it to your life. So watch it. So dealing with this, if we live to serve generationally, the God the godly desire to build a better future for those whom God will raise up and use for his glory through obedience and willingness to think generationally, understanding the race is to continue and we are to pass the baton to the next generation by doing our best by God's grace to empower them to run farther and faster than we are able to run. And God is always looking for the next generation. Young men, young women, I'm saying it again, there's nothing greater than saying yes to God, not trying to put any parameters around it or any boundaries around it or kind of designed it anyway, but just say, God, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life and then watch what he unfolds before you as you walk out out with him. So as I close this one, I hope this has given you the motivation to live for change in the new year with an expectation to see what God can do through your life when you think live and plan generationally like God because you were made in his image and according to his likeness and remember he thinks plans and builds generation so go ahead and act like your father just act like God this year what do i do how do i do that Here it is in a nutshell. Commit to the next generation. Be committed to the next generation. Why do we do discipleship training? Why do we do those things? Why have we done all this stuff over the years? Because we want to raise up the next generation. We're looking for the Timothys and the Tituses. Amen? The next generation that God will raise up to run that race. Take the opportunity to change your future. Have the courage to serve in the now. Be motivated to live uprightly. Be extreme, experiential, and eccentric for God. Let the old die and live to possess the new in your season of opportunity. Believe in the generational transfer of blessing. Believe to pass on more than you received. Amen? Believe for that. Let God set you free from anything in your past that would seek you to hold you and bind you to it. I want you to stand with me this morning. Rise up in the new life that is yours in Christ and live in the fullness of your redemption. Believe you're alive in this generation to serve it, bless it, and to accomplish those things which God had appointed to this time for you to fulfill. I just want to close. Guys, if you could just put a little music on if you would. I just want to close with this. Let go of anything and release anything in your past that would seek to hold you and bind you to it. It could be a lot of anything. Why don't you bow your heads with me just for a moment. If you're here and there's brokenness in your past, There's failure in your past. There's hurt. There's heartache. Maybe you experience abandonment. Maybe you experience abuse. Rejection. Any of those areas. Failures. Whatever it is. In Jesus' name. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. In Jesus' name. Don't let that hold on. The Apostle Paul said, This one thing I do, I forget the past, and I press forward to the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. While your head is bowed and your eyes are closed, if you have anything in your past that keeps coming up, anything that has a voice in your present. Pastor Sue wrote such a great uh, email this week about being people of his voice this year, hearing the voice of God. You will never hear God's voice remind you of your past. Any voice you're listening to that's reminding you of your past is not from God. You need to cut that voice off. And you cut it off by forgiving yourself of your failures. God's already forgiven you. But you forgive yourself. So right now, you're standing there. Your heads are bowed. I want you just to forgive yourself right now. Whatever negative thing, whatever thing from your path that seems to keep coming up, that's like a shackle around you keeping you from moving forward, you're, you're like that fish in the net, you're like that fowl in, in, in the snare, and you're caught, and you're just floundering, you can't feel like you move forward because of these things from your path. I break that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be free in Jesus' name. Your past will no longer hinder you. Those chains will no longer hold you. God is setting you free this very moment because He has a season appointed for you in 2024. He has things that are appointed to this time in your life that He wants to accomplish through you. And if you can hear the word of the Lord this morning, He's brought you to this moment, to this hour, in this place to set you free in Jesus' name, so that you can move forward and be beneficial to your generation. He appointed you for now. This is your time in His eternal purpose and He set you here to accomplish His purpose through your life. So you're going to rise up in the strength and the power of the Lord God Almighty. You're going to walk by might. You're going to walk by His strength. You're going to be equipped with His anointing and you're going to be able to do what He has called you to do and purpose to do in your life and it will come to pass and you're going have the faith, you're going to have the courage, and you're going to have the boldness to agree agree and to declare it in this season in Jesus' name. And somebody said, come on, give God a good praise this morning. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Come on, this is your year. I don't care what last year has been. I don't care what has been. I don't care what great things have been. This is your year. Come on, ushers. We're going to seal it with communion right now.